This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Family Secrets is a production of iHeartRadio. Mama had to get away Spirits of a little shame Just enough to get by Just enough to get by A lonely, lovely little girl Born into a broken world Just enough to get by Just enough to get by That's Kaneen Pipkin of The Lone Bellow a Brooklyn-based band, singing a song she wrote straight from the heart, a song about her mother, a song about a secret and its aftermath. This is a story about the complex legacy of what we hide and the remarkable beauty that can emerge when what has been hidden is brought to light. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is Family Secrets. The secrets that are kept from us, the secrets we keep from others, and the secrets we keep from ourselves. Tell me about the landscape of your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was it like? I grew up in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is a smallish town, I would say midway between Washington, D.C. and Richmond, Virginia. We learned a lot of 
Civil War history. I used to do my cross-country practices and trails that ran through the battlefield. Um, so there was a lot of ghosts present, I guess. <laughs> Were you aware of that? Did, did you have that sense at the time? Oh, absolutely. Virginia is just a, it's an interesting place. It's kind of a haunted place. And I think I was always really interested in history, not just American history, but world history in general. So it was a rich place to grow up. When I was about 10 years old, my parents co-founded a, an intentionally cross-cultural church that focused on and still focuses on racial reconciliation because at that point, Fredericksburg was still, I would say, fairly segregated, culturally especially. And I think some people just really wanted to do the work of listening. And so I've been thinking a lot about that with recent events and just how when we started the church, we were singing you know, gospel music in the attic of this bluegrass music shop. That is the landscape of my childhood right there. <laughs> and I think a lot of how I became the kind of musician that I am today. Brothers and sisters? Oh, yeah. I'm the fourth of five siblings, um, five Donahue siblings. And there's kind of a big gap between me and my older brother. And so me and my younger brother were kind of like the little kids. And then the three older were like the older kids. And tell me about your mom. My mom, uh, her name is Sharon. She is be she little, she be fierce, or whatever that uh, Shakespeare line is. Um, she's petite, and she dresses in jewel tones. Um, <laughs> but uh, she grew up near St. Louis and then uh, in Omaha. So she, she was there. She's in Omaha. Um, and she was the oldest of 10 kids. Kind of a genius, I would say. Uh, could beat anybody at Trivial Pursuit could answer almost every Jeopardy question uh, immediately, that kind of thing. But definitely shy. Kaneen's mom and dad met in the early 1970s. Her parents were pretty different from each other, a case of opposites attract. Her dad was outgoing, extroverted, and had a gift for enthusiasm. He loved to travel, meet people, get to know people, and just kind of figure out what makes them tick. Kaneen's mom was much more introverted. As a child, Kaneen found her kind of opaque. She definitely got the sense that there was a lot about her mom that she didn't know. She didn't really talk to me about things the way that some of my other friends' moms would. And some of my other friends would say that their moms were like their best friend or you know their confidant. And I think I always got the impression that my mom was just like busy. I knew she loved us and she was an amazing mom. But she was busy, you know. But as I got older, I kind of perceived that there might be a little more to what I perceived as isolation. After she graduates from college, Kaneen makes plans to move to China, and her parents take her to the airport to see her off. And her mother, well, her mother just falls apart. I remember my mom at the airport, like at the... Archer's Gate at Dulles, and she she just broke down. She was weeping, and honestly, I was pretty confused because I was like, I don't really think you needed me that much. And <laughs> you, know, you know, we always had like a close relationship. I love my mom, and she's very caring, but like, I never saw myself as that important. Not in a bad way, but just I guess I just didn't think she would be that effective if I left. Had you gone away to college? 
Yeah, I went to College of William and Mary, but it's only about, at most, a two-hour drive. Right, so the difference between being a two-hour drive away and being on the other side of the world. Yeah, and I think it was, and I had taken trips, like I had gone, I had been to India, and I had spent a summer in China the year before, and I'd always liked to travel. And I had spent the entire summer before I moved to China, I did like a classic backpacking trip with my younger brother and two of my friends. So I was gone a lot, and I hadn't really spent significant time at home since I had graduated from high school. And so, yeah, I guess I was just confused. Like, we didn't have long conversations on the phone ever. Um, I just felt like there wasn't a lot of openness or vulnerability in our relationship. So what did you make of it at the time? It made me feel guilty for leaving. And it made me feel like maybe my mom needed me and I wasn't sure why, really. It was confusing, but I just, you know, I had a lot on my mind. I was moving to Asia and, you know, I had a lot to get started. So I think I just kind of, I buried it and I tried to be as good of a long distance daughter as I could be. I tried to write long emails home and this was way before Zoom, this was the Skype days. So the Skype <laughs> a lot and, you know, just try to let them into my world. But it was just kind of surprising. So you go off to China. And how long do you stay there before you return to the States? I was there off and on for about four years, I think. Came home for a few months to get married while having some visa trouble. And actually, my mom was like, I was already engaged. And we had been planning on being engaged for like a year and a half. Sounded like a good idea at the time. Uh, <laughs> and then my mom was like, why don't you just stay here for a few months, stay home for a few months, and plan the wedding and get married. So that's what we did. After they were married, Kaneen and her husband returned to China. But they started growing restless. They had good jobs that were paying the bills. But they found themselves wondering what their next step might be. They thought about graduate school, coming back to the States. But then, Kanin meets a family that had adopted five Chinese kids, all of whom had special needs. They ran an orphanage and supported the orphanage with a bread-baking business. They also trained the kids who were able to bake so that they'd have skills. This family and their enterprise really lights Kanin up. So she decides to go to culinary school and become a pastry chef. I knew a lot of people who were doing kind of microfinance job training, skill training type stuff for different populations. And so I had always loved baking, and I started to think about maybe going to chef school so I could come back and, you know, teach or, I don't know, see what happened with that. But I didn't want to rush into it, so my husband and I both decided we would do this really long fast. And I think it was either 30 or 40 days, just like a, a juice fast. Um, 30 or 40 day juice fast. Yeah. (laughs) You know, why not? Want to make sure I heard that right. (laughs) I know, right? It just seemed like such a huge decision. I just wanted to make sure I was like emotionally and mentally and spiritually just clear to make it. So about halfway through that fast, my mom calls me. And so I'm already kind of on this like weird journey and this like plane of existence that already feels kind of like Kairos time, just like this amplified time of importance. And 
My mom calls me kind of out of the blue, and she's like, hey, I need to tell you something. And she's like, they found my baby. Let's just stop there for a sec. Think about this. Imagine being in the middle of a month-long juice fast and hearing these words. They found my baby. I think you might feel like you are hallucinating. And obviously that sentence didn't make any sense to me at the time. And I asked her to explain. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And she went on to tell me that my aunt had been Googling their maiden name, which is kind of a unique name, and had found someone posting on a site of people trying to find their birth parents um, that this was their birth name, and she just knew it was my, my mom's child. I remember my mom called me because she was calling all of her kids to kind of ask our permission to get in contact with her her child and I just remember being like you obviously don't need my permission but I mean I'm glad you are telling us this and I remember my mom not being able to say the word rape when she was telling me about the child she she told me she had been assaulted and all this was kind of coming out as I'm kind of the way I'm telling it to you now just lots of random details she had not dealt with the trauma of it and then so I was able to finally piece together that she had been raped and had gotten pregnant from the encounter and then had kind of been sent away to have my half-sister and I'm still not totally sure as to why. So Kanin is halfway around the world in Beijing. She's 25 years old. She hasn't eaten solid food in a while and now she discovers the source of that opacity she had always sensed in her mother, the source of her mother's slight remove. So you're 24, 25 years old. What are you making of this as she's, you're getting these disjointed details? I mean, it's completely overwhelming. I immediately am starting to think about different things from my past, the ways that I was raised, the ways that my parents would react to certain things that would happen or things in the news or just as I was growing older, the way they would deal with me. And just the way that my mom was, it felt like a lot of things started to make sense. But also, you know, my mom was barely able to even tell me what had happened at this point. And so I felt very overwhelmed, but I felt really grateful that I had randomly read Alice Siebold's memoir called Lucky, which is about when she was raped as a young college student. And she kind of goes into the gritty detail right off the bat of like everything that happens. And then the whole book is her dealing with it. And so I had just read this book really by chance. And I felt like I had been prepared for this phone call um, in a strange way. And was able to kind of care for my mom a little bit better, I think, and ask better questions. Did your mind go back to that moment in the airport when you were this very young woman leaving and going, you know, halfway across the world? It definitely did. And I was able to talk to my mom about that later. 
when talking to her about her own past. And she she just said that I had always been just a, a calming presence to her. And she could just really feel that I cared about her and that I loved her and that I was for her. And she said sometimes that was just like difficult for her to feel about most people. And I don't know if it's just my style of communicating or something else, but that felt like a gift, you know, when someone tells you that they really feel loved by you. That's a special thing because that's something that you can't really control. I'm gathering that she made that same phone call to each one of your siblings. And it also, it's interesting because it sounds like she didn't have to. I've heard a lot of stories where, in a way, someone's hand is forced because, you know, someone has come forward and made, made themselves known and the story is going to come out. This wasn't a story that was going to come out. You know, your aunt doing that research and finding that name and seeing that it must be your mother's child, it sounds like it opened something up in your mother of, I can't just put this back in the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she was definitely offered the can of worms and given the choice, open it or don't. And I'm really proud of her that she did. I think she saw it for what it was, an opportunity to heal and to deal with some things that had not been dealt with and to connect with someone that she thought she had lost. It was supposed to be a closed adoption, but they mistakenly put my mother's maiden name on the file. And so that was how my half-sister found her. So I think my mom really had never thought it would be a possibility. And then I think it just felt like a second chance against all the odds. When your mom told you it was with a sense that she was interested in knowing more, reaching out, I mean, what happened next? So it felt like it happened pretty quickly. I think they had a phone call. And then I remember I got to the States maybe a month or two later. And my little brother and I and my mom and dad went to Omaha to meet Dory, my half-sister and her family and my dad and mom went and had dinner with her one night and then my little brother and I joined the next day and we went to the to the zoo <laughs> with Dory and her family oh, she has three kids imagine walking past a group of people at the zoo an older couple several younger women and men some kids just a family having an outing just like everybody else right Except, all families have stories, and sometimes these stories are secrets and require love, patience, care, compassion when these stories begin to be told. It was a lot for them both, and I think it was just the beginning of what ended up being a really long process for both of them. And I know a lot more about my mom side of the process than Dory's, but the beginning of kind of being able to go back and work through the trauma. It was amazing because it was it was this opportunity to meet her and see her as this fully formed, like beautiful woman. She looks 
more like my mom than any of the siblings do any like me or any of my siblings do and she has this beautiful family she had just had these two twin boys and I don't know she was a real like concrete person with a life and I think that was incredibly helpful for my mother to see and then once she could see that she could go back and deal with the pain that was the genesis of this this beautiful life you know Uh, the idea that you know we are not the pain that has formed us yeah exactly had your mother told your father about her history? Yeah, he had known, but he doesn't really like to talk about stuff. He had a pretty rough upbringing, so he's a very he's very sensitive, he's very sweet, but uh, he can be a little inaccessible as well emotionally sometimes. But it wasn't a surprise to him? No, he knew about it. Because that would have been an even more different story, right? Absolutely. We'll be back in a moment with more Family Secrets. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed 
my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which right. is different than empathy, yeah. right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now Kaneen is back in the States. She's training to be a chef. She's singing on the side. She's always been a singer. And one day, she fills in for a friend who needs help with a gig. And something happens. Some kind of kismet. Some kind of magic when their voices blend together. You can't force this stuff. You can't make it happen. But when it does, it's unmistakable. The juice, yeah. The juice. So, at that point... You started Lone Bellow, and you we were like, this is a thing, and we're doing this? Uh, it took a little while for it to kind of solidify into the format it is today. And my bandmates are named Zach and Brian, and they, they had both been pursuing their own music careers for a long time. And my husband and I had done, my husband's name is Jason. Jason and I had done a lot of gigs when we were in China. Um, and we had a, an agent <laughs> who would get us these like bonkers gigs at like, I don't know, the opening of a future apartment complex or like <laughs> super bizarre. Jason once marched in a parade wearing a Swedish flag. It was very strange. And we, we had a lot of our own music and stuff, but we had never really thought about doing it professionally. It was always just a lot of fun and a hobby, something we love doing. So when I got to New York and I was going to pastry chef school in Manhattan, I ended up singing with Zach, filling in for somebody, and he just like knew immediately. He was like, I want you to be in a band with me. And then randomly one day when I was filling in at a show of his, Brian, our other bandmate, got on stage. And it was when the three of us sang together, we all just felt it. I love singing with them, and it's so much fun. But it really hijacked my plan of going back to China and becoming a pastry chef. And there was kind of a moment where Jason and I had to decide if we were going to try to stay in the States and do the band or if we were going to move back. And, you know, what I always say is no one ever gets that opportunity and says, I'll be in a band when I'm older. Um, So we decided to, you know, go for it. We recorded our first record summer of 2011, and it came out January 2013. So it was about, you know a couple years in the making. I find myself connecting that, like that sort of that magic that happened on on stage 
and the sort of accidental, random nature of like you, the three of you ending up on the same stage at the same time singing with your reading the Alice Siebold, you know, random um, and yet totally shapes what happens next. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I was really struck by is your song, Just Enough to Get By, there's this lyric, it's the chorus, um, if silence is golden, I know a lot of wealthy women buying what's sold to them, buying anything but freedom. And I understand it to be a song that you wrote about your mother's experience, mm-hmm. maybe for your mother. How has this discovery in your life, how has it played into your artistic process, the expression that you do as a songwriter, as a musician? You know, that song was really a long time coming. I've heard Brian singing this little melody, just a goodbye, kind of loungy. And I think he was like thinking about drinking or smoking or something. And it was weird because it was kind of a jolly sounding melody. But as soon as I heard it, I thought about my mom. And I think at this point, it had been a couple of years and she had been doing this work and I'd been keeping up with her progress, uh, like going to a counselor and kind of trying to work through everything. And I was really proud of her for being willing to go back to that place. And she told me that her one counselor had her imagined when she had to walk through it, that someone was with her. And she said she always imagined it was me, that I was like standing with her, walking with her through the experience. I felt very honored to be that kind of presence in my mom's life and in her recovery. And I think it just made me want to put myself in her shoes and allow myself to kind of feel feel my own feelings about all of it. And she was doing the work of going through all that emotional trauma. And I think it made me want to write about things in a way that would help other people who felt alone and who felt isolated by their own secrets and by the shame we put on ourselves when things beyond our control have happened to us. And yeah, that song, I wrote it kind of all in an afternoon in the van. And I was just really in my feelings. (laughs) And it was a very cathartic, very like swift lyrical process. It kind of just all came out. And my bandmates really liked it, but I just kind of didn't feel ready to sing it. So Kaneen puts the song away, just tucks it away. But of course, it doesn't actually go away. She's a little afraid of it, not sure what to do with it. But a year later, during the start of the Me Too movement, suddenly she knows. It's time. I was like, oh, damn. I think I'm ready to sing this. I think I'm ready to do it. But I had to make sure that my mom was okay with it because I didn't want to... She was still pretty private about what had happened And I was very sensitive. And I think that song to me is a very honest reflection that just because you're dealing with something doesn't mean it works out in a very neat and orderly way. It's not a Hallmark movie ending. It's a, it's messy, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's heartbreaking. And it's not just like, I got raped and I had a child and now we're best friends and everything is great and I love talking about it. That's definitely not, (laughs) that's not how it works out. It's not how it shakes out. 
so there was a lot of frustration in me seeing that people were trying to get her to talk about it before she was ready and get her to kind of spin it into this thing that it wasn't. So I was very sensitive. We like neat and tidy narratives that we can tie up in a bow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I knew it wasn't that. So I wanted the song to kind of have this unease to it and kind of have cathartic feeling, but also just an honest feeling of like, I don't really know how this ends. What was your mother's response when you worked up the courage to, you know, take her the song and show her what you'd written? She liked it. She was very encouraging about it. And I was, I mean, I was nervous as hell. I was like, I was shaking in my boots, taking it to her. Because I just didn't, you know, I didn't want to feel like I was like voyeuristic or, I don't know, just being like, I used your pain to make art. Aren't you proud of me? Uh, (laughs) But, uh... You know, I think she recognized that I put a lot of myself into that song, too. And she said it was a very accurate portrayal of, of what she went through. And um, that took a lot of weight off my shoulders. And it made me prepared to kind of go to bat for the song and make it as good as it could be. What's it been like to perform the song? It's been awesome. Is there anything different about it than performing your other songs that are maybe a little bit less loaded? I can definitely see some people getting a little uncomfortable and I've had people write me or people come up to me after the show and tell me their stories which are in some way similar to my mom's and that's been that's been everything you know that's all I've really desired is that it's just a helpful thing for people we're going to take a quick break here for a word from our sponsor this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If there's one thing I've learned from hosting this podcast, it's that when there are secrets, there is almost always shame, a drumbeat beneath. That's why the secret's being kept. And then the shame has its own legacy. It works on people. We know something isn't right, but we can't put our finger on it. Then sometimes we have an opportunity to take that legacy of shame and make something that reaches and helps other people and explodes the shame by naming it. I'm just so indebted to my sister Dory, my half-sister Dory, and my mom, for just really being willing to to do the work of bringing it into the light and talking about it. And I think their bravery and just willingness to go somewhere uncomfortable and willingness to to be honest and transparent has, I feel like it really has unlocked something in me. And I think specifically growing up with that secret, not knowing about it, my parents were pretty overprotective, I would say. And I think I felt a lot of shame just like being a woman. And I kind of felt like I was suspect of a lot of things. And I think once I had known about my mom, It just made sense. It made sense why they were protective. But it also kind of freed me from thinking that I had something to do with it. You know what I mean? I was a good kid, you know, like boring (laughs) in that way. (laughs) And so I always felt pretty frustrated that I felt like my parents didn't trust me. And I think now the lesson that has taught me is just with my own son, I think about ways that I can be honest and open with him and that I can give him the gift of like my transparency and my my story. Yeah, I was going to ask you about exactly that because I think 
becoming a mother, becoming a parent, tends to make us reflect back on how we were children and how we were parented and and the things that we carried or the legacy of that. And, um, you know, the pendulum swings and swings again. And your son is how old? He'll be three uh, next week. So I have, I guess, one last question for you. Um, As you think about this, as you think about everything that has transpired since that first phone call when you were in your mid-20s, are you glad that all this came out? Absolutely. 100%. Because I've, you know, I've gained a sister and I can see the freedom it's brought my mom at a great cost, for sure. but. There's something unspeakably good about a life and uh, a beautiful person who you love coming out of such a a tragedy. And it just feels like a gift that there should be any, any good that comes out of it at all. But I think it has helped me understand my mother and understand what a lot of women have been through so much more and that's all I really want in life is to understand people better you know that's beautiful Kaneen thank you so much Family Secrets is an iHeartMedia production. Dylan Fagan is the supervising producer, and Beth Ann Macaluso is the executive producer. We'd also like to give a special thanks to Tyler Klang and Tristan McNeil. If you have a family secret you'd like to share, leave us a voicemail, and your story could appear on an upcoming episode. Our number is one 888 0 That's secret and then the number zero. You can also find us on Instagram at Danny Writer and Facebook at facebook.com slash family secrets pod and Twitter at fam secrets pod. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.